0: Blob Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. The drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain.
1: La da da da
0: Die, 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 die. Charleston was once the rage uh-huh. history has turned a page uh-huh. the minutes the current thing The beat goes on,
1: the
0: drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain,
1: la-da-da-da-dee, la
0: da 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 The grocery store's are supermodel uh-huh. to war. Electrically they keep a baseball score. And the beat goes on, the beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain, la it da di
2: 28th, 2018. It's a little after five o'clock, and uh, we're gathered around the virtual kitchen table or living room. And uh, I don't actually have a cup of Joe in my hand, oh, but no. I, I'm pretty sure soon I will. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to or I know Joe it. Yeah, a little. Uh, there goes the camera live feed. This is Radio Chaos. See what happens when you don't put Captain Joe in Joe's hands. That's it. Anyways, that will happen soon, and the chaos will diminish, and the seriousness will continue off and on anyways. Um, this is a show that um, will hopefully cause you to think. This is a show that will hopefully cause you to feel this is a hope, show that will hopefully uh, inspire you and possibly even move you to move, to act. Um, I live in a world <clears throat> where people call themselves activists and they um, talk a lot and they get angry, talk a lot, and they write things and they get on social media, um, and they go to events, generally speaking. And every once in a while, I talk to an activist who exemplifies the the true meaning of that word. Um, An activist, to me, if you were to just look at that word on its face, would be somebody who spends a lot of time acting i would think you know a pacifist would be somebody who spends a lot of time being peaceful um, and an activist would be somebody who acts a lot <clears throat> and i struggle with this sometimes i struggled with it a lot when i was going through my court case that lasted six years and i i i had to uh bring myself into worlds that I was not comfortable in. I had to engage the social media crowd, and I had to put myself on stages and speak publicly. I was never particularly comfortable doing that. But over time, it was a necessity, so it didn't matter what I felt. (laughs) It really didn't matter. What mattered was if I wanted to be effective i would do what it took and um you know life teaches a lot of lessons along the way and one of the lessons that i got and hopefully i'm able to share this in a little way is that growth doesn't come from the comfort zone you don't often grow except for fat and lazy um, when you remain in a comfortable position but when you push yourself outside of that comfort zone, and whether it's forced or a choice or a combination of both, um, there's always choices, so I guess you can't get away from that part of it. But sometimes we act not because we're directly being influenced to do so, but because we've been moved to do so because of some something that we've experienced or, or become aware of. Other times, we act because... Something has directly affected our our world and um, generally in a negative way, and it causes us to act. But I do know this. When we act and we get outside of our comfort zone and we stay there and we just keep going and we keep going, what happens is it gets easier. And when you keep showing up, even though you know it's going to hurt, it hurts a little less next time. And even though you know you're going to stammer and stutter and not say the right thing or make somebody angrier or, or get asked a question you don't necessarily have a good answer for, each time you do it, it's a little bit easier. And I think that that's one thing that I, I know as seasoned activist because we share those things in common when the uncomfortable spot comes to us Sometimes we walk into it with a smile on our face because we know it's going to suck, but we know it's going to be worth it. Uh, That's where the growth happens. That's where the meat and potatoes happen. That's where the real work happens. It doesn't happen when we're sitting here comfortably warm and sassy and, and getting upset on the computer and typing away your little anger things. It doesn't happen when you read some cool little article and you pass it
1: along and say sharing is caring. And I'm not saying those things. I'm saying those a little sarcastically because I think that, not because I don't think that those things
2: have value, but I think that we've lost a big chunk of what we're all about because that's all we do so many times. I was um, spending some time with a cousin of mine today and – she was an activist on a whole different world, but she told me about some of the things she did, and I just laughed. I said, "Man, we are cut out of the same fabric," and and she's um, fighting against um, you know forced vaccinations and different a, a different campaign, but we have a lot in common. And um, one of the things that we have in common is when we're when we see something that needs to be done. Um, we don't just get out there and, and, and you know, be angry on the computer. We get out there and make it happen. And um, we're just kind of getting to know each other. We've been cousins since she was born, and um, we didn't really know each other till this summer when we got together at a beach outing. And uh, it turns out we have a lot in common, and now we're working together on a number of levels. So um, this whole notion of being an activist is – Something that, to me, is a little—it's a mixed, um, it's a mixed issue. Um, I believe that it wouldn't take a whole lot of us to this to want to end prohibition enough to make it happen. And as I continue to study history, I've become quite an avid studier of history, and and some of the the people throughout history that have made a significant difference in the course of events, going all the way back to the first people that wrote down a history, and generally speaking, it's not, hey, Sarah, it's not been um, thousands and thousands of people that made a difference. Generally speaking, it's been a few individuals, usually one or two inspired individuals, that are able to bring more people together and get a message out in a way that moves people to act. And, you know, this movement has had all kinds of strong uh, personalities and, and many that are would be considered a cult of personality and people that you know, are able to get a lot of people together. Um, but at the end of the day, I have yet to hear anybody that has a plan to end prohibition. And there's a lot of plans to change the law and to do all these things that I'm, I'm out for. It. But my thinking is, when is somebody gonna articulate the, the, the end game? you play chess and in chess you have an opening and then you have the core of the game and then you have your end game and if you are good at your opening you can position yourself really well and, and, and be in a place where you can here, this is you, to, you can um, get yourself in a position to uh, have strength on the board and you can actually uh, you know accomplish a lot but if you don't have an end game, you can lose the game or end up in a in a tie a stalemate um, because you don't know how to, how to close the deal. And unfortunately, I I, I feel that our movement um, doesn't have an end game. And here in in California, where you know we just passed the most horrible law I've ever seen, and I watched all these people um, that, in my opinion, were ignorant, and that doesn't mean uneducated and it doesn't mean stupid it just means they didn't know better they 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 supported this law so wholeheartedly and they and they celebrated its victory and and when i told them but you don't understand what this means and they said ah you know baby steps we're good it's it's we're legal now and here we are we're moving into it california is about to enact all of its regulations come the first of january and all i hear are tales of woe and terror because nobody can can play with
1: the big boys because it's only the big boys that get to play and the
2: only people that are are able to um participate in this this industry and i'm call it what it is now it's an industry it's, it's not a movement anymore um are the people that have millions of dollars and that's not an exaggeration and I'm involved on in a couple of levels and consulting a, a, a thing or two, and, and the people behind it are just ridiculously wealthy. And unfortunately, they're full of themselves and they don't listen. And I get very frustrated um, because I saw this coming. We talk about it week after week. And what I'm trying to accomplish here today is I want to create a plan, an actual end game. Like, how are we going to finish this job? And people come to me all the time with these ideas, you know, and, and they're good ideas. And I I remember when I'm just yapping on this show, I don't have a script. I don't have really even an idea what I'm going to talk about sometimes. But I do have a vision and I do have a passion and I do have the ability to to work with people. And I know that, If I could get this formula down, I'm I'm a formulator by by trade, if you will, and I can take pieces and, and, and put them in such a way that they can accomplish things that are better than the things by themselves. And I know that if I can get just enough people together in just the right way, we can come up with a plan to end Prohibition, to end it. And I know that we can do this. And that's one of the reasons that we do this show is because I know it gives me a, a voice that i can I can get out and and i can I can reach outside of my my own backyard. I can reach outside of the the event stage i mean i got to the point I don't even want to speak on an event stage anymore because you're just talking to the same people, and you know half the time they don't even they don't even listen and so my goal is to reach people who don't know me people who don't know where I've come from people who don't know what this is about Um, but people who have common sense and an open mind and a willingness to do the right thing and in my opinion I come from a place I come from a family I was talking to my cousin and and she told me how she had taken my grandmother's memoir and had compiled finished the job my grandma had spent the last several years of her life writing out her memoirs and, and she had gathered up all these pictures and and stories and had written all these things but but my cousin took a year of her life in in granting one of her final wishes and compiled a book And she it was published in, and it's named oh mama Mia my grandma's an Italian woman and uh, she was anyways and it it told her story and there's something about the, the willingness to get up and take a stand when it's needed—it seems like it's almost outdated. It seems like it's something that's that's—it's not even alive anymore. The people that are willing to do it—I mean, you know—you see these—you see these marches for whatever, you know—you get all these people out there against the president, against an ideology, against a way of expressing it, whether you—regardless—you get all these people that are up against this thing, but not one of them. Have a plan to fix it. Not one person that has called my show has ever told me, you know, they talk about, oh, I'm anti this, I'm anti that. I'm always, I always say, and I always ask, well, come and give me a solution. Give me what your plan is, you know. If you think that that wealth is distributed unevenly and that capitalism is terrible, then come in and show me a real plan to fix it because I'm all about it. I don't really care to be lumped into anybody's box, um, uh, politically, ideologically, religiously, I don't really care what the box is. I'm all about things that work. And I believe that we're put here with a potential. I don't believe that our potentials are even or equal. I believe that we are born with equal rights, but we're not equals. we're all different, we're all Markedly different, so how can we say something that is distinctly different is the same. We can't. So doesn't it make it right or wrong, good or bad. It just means we're different. But one of the things that we seem to have, I don't know, lost touch with, we seem to have lost, is the ability to communicate directly. People don't talk anymore. They send text messages and short little, little statements. Um, the ability to sit here and talk is, I think, an important one, and I I do it sometimes um, to demonstrate that it can be done. And when people call in, I think it does the same thing. It 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 demonstrates the lost art of speech, of communication, of of sharing ideas through the spoken word. Um, for generations and generations, it was the way history was was shared, it was the way skills were passed on, Uh, and it was the way that that humanity grew until one day we learned how to write stuff down, and then when we learned to write stuff down, only the very wealthy people um, were able to have access to it, and only the, the religious educated people even knew how to write, and you know, knowledge is power the powerful, controlled, the non-knowledgeable, and, and here we are, we get to today. And I not I think that if we call, can keep this gift alive and, and continue to dialogue and talk, it's a step.
1: To
2: it's up a up to step towards um, to dial five, getting now. where we want to get. To Here's to Craig Here's Craig Cecil.
3: Craig Cecil, how are you doing today? Hello, Joe.
4: Well, we're we're in about the mid twenties here in uh, Terre Haute, Indiana, so it's probably pretty much seasonal here
1: I guess. Well,
4: I won't tell you that
2: I'm wearing a T shirt and short pants while I'm sitting here doing this uh this show today. Um, it's probably with seventy five degrees out noon and and sunny and uh and it's actually supposed to get a little bit rainy tomorrow, so hopefully uh, hopefully we can put out all the rest of the fires and, and you
1: know,
2: water the ground a little bit. We didn't get any rain last year.
4: Well, you guys could definitely use some rain. But uh, today I was just going to mention a few events that kind of give people a little idea how the prison works is – uh. Every day we get locked in our cells at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and everybody has to stand up, and they come around and count us. That's basically so they can make sure that, first of all, everybody's here, and secondly, that everybody's still alive. (laughs) So we do that every day. Today we were uh, stuck in those cells for about an hour extra. And uh, while we were stuck in the cells, we noticed that they came and got a guy that lives in our cell block here, Every prison has one or two people that their job is to go clean up blood. They have uh blood kits, you know, where they you know, special chemicals and special wipes and special gloves and you know, all kinds of things to, to clean up blood, you know, left after a fight or something like that. <laughs> well, we after we were, you know, locked down a little extra in our cells and we came you know, we noticed that they came in uh, Got the blood guy, we figure something had happened. <laughs> Yay. But, um.
1: We don't
2: have a blood guy no, over here. I, <laughs> pardon? I said, I don't have a blood guy. No, but every prison has at least one. Yay. <laughs> wow.
4: uh, unfortunately, they, they're they paid by how many times they clean up blood. Pressure. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> but, uh. Well, right after that, you know, I. It was time to eat, so as a diabetic, I went and got my insulin shot, and I went went to go on to eat, and the nurse was just shaking her head, saying that, uh, oh, boy, you guys need to avoid the bad K2 around, and she wouldn't tell me much else,
1: but with the nurse talking about bad K2 and somebody cleaning up blood, it
4: probably an, it was either an episode of, you know, somebody got... Uh, tangled with one of the officers and ended up bloody. call called from
5: a federal
4: prison. Unfortunately, is way too you know, common with that K two. You know, or, you know, they they just fell and hurt themselves or whatever. But it it's really made for a, a mess in the prisons here.
6: It almost
2: sounds like how uh, PCP, you know, back about 20, 30 years ago, used to hear about guys that would smoke angel dust and uh they would go you know they wouldn't feel any pain so they'd just go after the cops and they couldn't stop them and they'd end up breaking their bones and just you know wrecking themselves cuz they they couldn't feel anything it it sounds almost like it's got some of the same kind of characteristics actually what i've seen of it is
4: these guys you see them just like laying you know, we see them laying in the cell blocks, laying outside on the yard, and all that. They they look half dead, and they you know they get sick, they they roll around, they they sleep, they drool, they do all kinds of things, and you kind of have to wonder why they go back and do it again. <laughs> it yeah, it doesn't, doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> it doesn't sound like something you'd want
6: a
2: second helping
4: of. No, it just just doesn't
2: seem like something you'd want to volunteer for. <laughs> wow. Well, um, I got another inmate that reached out to me. His mom actually reached out to me over the weekend, and he's in Hawaii, um, and I'm going to be talking about his story a little bit. But he's got a, a case that everybody else involved had pled out, and he thinks he's going to win it on a religious defense and a couple of other things, very similar to Roger Christie's case. But what he finds is that so many guys in your situation find is that the attorneys don't want to do anything. And he feels like he's kind of stuck because he thinks he has a plan, but his attorney's filing motions and not even showing him what he's filing. And his attorney doesn't seem to be listening to uh, what his suggestions are. <clears throat> What's your experience with that? It seems like uh, attorneys and and. Defendants that are behind bars don't seem to be a very good match.
4: Unfortunately, that that is a problem. Uh, as you know, I write a lot of legal appeals and a lot of legal motions and that. And that's a really a, a problem with people that have been prosecuted criminally, especially by the FUDs, is that there's no oversight whatsoever for the lawyers. There's nobody that makes sure that people are getting you know, what they bargain for. Yeah, I mean they they do it for, you know, car repair places and, you know, even for doctors. But um uh, criminal defendants really I mean, so many times they're they're left out as you know my uh my cellmate a ways back the law changed and he actually qualified to get his sentence cut by about nine years. And this is on a seventeen year sentence. And uh the attorney assigned to represent his case just said that nah, I, I think his sentence ought to remain the same and, and sent him to the court saying that he agreed to that. Wow. we we wow. spent like four months filing stuff, and he's finally uh, later this month going to go to go back to court and get resentenced, and he's probably going to get that somewhere around eight or nine years off, you know, reduced off of his sentence. But the lawyers just sold him out, and if he didn't have the... Ability to have somebody like me help him, or or something, somebody else. You know, he would have been stuck doing nine years in prison that he shouldn't
2: have done. That's just crazy. <clears throat> just crazy. Well, I don't know. Um, I you sure. had just sent a um, a post explaining to the people that we have as supporters that you're not able to receive. Um, the same kind of uh, mail that you used to be able to. I think in years past you used to be able to send inmates even items like, you know, gifts and things like that. But why don't you explain to the folks out here, especially people that are <clears throat> interested in participating in prison outreach, um, what you guys are limited to now?
4: Well, the the most recent limitation uh actually just started about a week or so ago, is so we're no longer allowed to get greeting cards. So if somebody wants to send us a Christmas card, what happens
1: is um, the card comes, they make a photocopy of the
4: card, and they send us the, the photocopy. And
2: that's how we get Wow. <laughs>
6: wow. And and, and,
2: uh, and that's because people are putting drugs on the cards or they're just being
1: assholes?
4: From what I gather, you know, some people try to somehow impregnate the cards with drugs or, you know. But that just seems really, really rare. Because all this K-2 or supposed K-2 stuff that's going around,
1: it doesn't come that way. Last week they caught one of the inmates with a cell
4: phone. That didn't come in a greeting card.
1: No, it didn't. (laughs) (laughs) No, it didn't. (laughs) Do you know
4: how it got here? I know how it got here. The officer's... The officers do that. They get paid to do that. Wow. They recently arrested one uh, a few miles north of here that worked in the federal prison in Chicago. But um, that's
1: where most of the contraband comes from. Is from the officers. That officer was making $1,000 a week cash, bringing K2 to one of the
4: inmates in MCC uh, Chicago, a federal, you know, hold, holding uh, jail in, in Chicago. Well, that, I
1: don't know a lot of... From, um,
4: but they're... They're afraid to look at their own. Yeah, well it it you know, it's, it's a culture. A federal
1: prison.
2: It's a it's a culture. They they've been protecting their own since they've been around and it's uh you know, if if you're if you're in the club you, generally people protect the club. I don't know of a lot of drugs that you could put on a paper and it not be evident. I mean I know acid you could, but who the hell would want to take acid in prison? That would be the worst trip ever.
4: Yeah, I I'm, I just don't know. You know, Now, I've heard some of it they put, there's at least some sort of drugs or whatever they put behind a postage stamp.
7: Okay. So our
4: mail has had the postage stamps torn off of them for
7: years. So, oh. <laughs> so uh,
4: I don't, you know, I don't even know what the newest plan is, and it's probably something that's not even
1: true, but they, they want to be able to
4: say they're doing something to stop the drugs, and rather than searching or drug sniffing their employees, you know, that they're just taking more and more things away from us.
2: Well, and, and you know, really, if you get down to it, you're in prison. Who cares if you're on drugs? I mean, as long as you're not hurting each other. I mean, the K-2 thing I can get because people are are dying in there and, and, you know, probably hurting each other. But outside of that, I mean, if somebody wanted to smoke some pot or, or, or hell, do some heroin. I mean, you're in prison. What, what, you know? Who cares? I don't even understand why that's a thing.
4: Well, again, you know, the the drugs come in here, and I remember uh, a staffer that I I knew was bragging that he had caught some drugs in the institution. It was a a 16 ounce uh, drink bottle full of heroin.
1: Whoa. <laughs>
2: That's a lot of heroin. I mean, of course,
4: they didn't come in a greeting card. No,
2: no. Wow, that's that's pretty hardcore. Well, it's um, it's it screwed up. I you know a few years back, I was locked up at this time of year, and I can just remember thinking about how you know the holiday times are coming, and everybody's out there hustling and bustling and trying to. You know, get time off and go do this or go do that, and it seems like a time when, especially if people are going to be thoughtful of inmates, that so this would be a good time to do it. Um, you know, I, I'm sure there's quite a bit of, of depression and and anxiety and that sort of thing in in the in the Bureau of Prisons. Do you notice that it, it's it's increased at this time of year? Is it, well, I'm sorry. Do, do you see that there's an increase of people being, you know, depressed or anxious at this time of year because of the holidays?
4: Oh, absolutely. And, and as you know, I've mentioned before, there's always a bunch of stuff that comes out as part of fundraising this time of year where they make the inmates all anxious that there's going to be a new law that basically sends them home from prison. And uh, so that's running rampant in here right now. And then... Of course, there's a lot of people that are looking at their families doing different things for Thanksgiving, for Christmas, for you know what I mean? And there, there is an, an anger, there's depression, there's, you know, just a whole lot of raw emotions around, you know, this time of year. And it, it can make things a bit more dangerous, though, when guys are, you know, a bit more on edge. Yeah, I you
1: know,
2: for a couple of weeks, right around the election time, we were hearing a lot about that uh, that prison reform bill, but I haven't heard anything in the last week or so. And, again, I think Congress is about done for the year. Right. there, There's a whole bunch of suggestions
4: about, you know, what can be changed as far as criminal justice, but they haven't even focused in on the, you know, probably 50 or 80 different, you know, suggestions that are out there. They haven't picked up on... You know, just targeted a handful of them Saying, let's do this But one obvious one I can see Now this applies to women, of course But uh, they want to pass a federal law That women are not Handcuffed during childbirth Yeah, you are mentioning uh, secondly, that That's crazy that Women prisoners are provided pants and tampons The same as toilet paper I mean, they're just provided by officials So that they don't have to try to find a way to buy them Now what? both of those things seem You
2: know, just common
1: sense to anybody else yeah i don't
2: even you know i I, i've been i've been studying some history lately and uh i guess i mean i guess we've gotten a little bit better throughout history i mean the, the the abhorrent conditions that you know ancient prisons have have withheld and the tortures and all that i guess i guess we've gotten a little bit more civilized but that was your first beep already um uh, hopefully we can just get to a place where justice can actually occur.
4: Well, is, you know, my biggest push is, is let's get our, uh, our let's get our people in Congress to look at criminal justice. Why do we have the biggest percentage of people in prison of any country in the world? There, there's something wrong with our criminal laws. Why does, you know, half of the people in prison are in prison for some sort of drug violation, but yet violent offenders get in and out, you know, in a matter of months. Drug offenders and marijuana offenders do life. You know, other people do, you know, way too many years uh, over drugs.
2: And there it is. Craig Cecil had 15 minutes to talk, and he gets cut off right in the middle of it all. Craig Cecil is not locked up for a violent crime. Craig Cecil is not locked up for a property crime. He's not locked up for a a murder, a rape. But had he been locked up for one of those things, he would be more likely to get out sooner than the fact that he was locked up, is locked up, sentenced to life without the possibility of parole for pot and nothing else. In fact, he was sentenced because of conspiracy charges. He didn't even have pot. He didn't have anything to do with the smuggling of pot. He had to do with the fixing of trucks that were smuggling pot. He had to do with thinking that justice would be served and that he wouldn't deserve such a harsh sentence. So he moved forward, and he got hornswoggled, and the next thing you know, he's in prison for life, for pot. And had he been in prison for a violent crime, he'd be looking at a way out, and he says it all the time. And that's one of the reasons we're here, folks. You know, as much as, you know, the whole industry thing is cool, as much as the whole medicine thing is amazing, how do we forget about freedom? Freedom. How do we lose track of liberty? How do we get so full of ourselves and how do we lose touch with where we've come from and and where we should be that we don't even think about the fact that some poor bastard is locked up in prison for life, for a nonviolent drug offense, and how – we not be so moved when we hear about this that we launch a campaign and do whatever we can to stop it? I'm looking for a few people to help me do just that. I'm looking for a few people to, to get it, to be mo- moved and motivated enough to say, you know what? I not only want to be part of this A-team, but I've got a plan. You know, I do have people that are that are coming forward and saying, I want to be part of this team. And then they're saying, now what do we do? And I can lead that way. I can do the plan, I can make it all happen, but I don't necessarily think that that's where the best plans come from. There's a thing that has been studied and, and there's there's mixed uh, mixed thoughts about it. But the idea of minds working together, and when ideas are shared together by a, a number of people, the brain power increases. And one person, no matter how, whatever, brilliant or, or inspired or, or touched, <laughs> however you want to call it, is only one person. And there isn't any one person that has all of the answers and i think that generally the leaders that we've had i think would be even would have been better leaders had they had a good team around them instead of just being one inspired person and when i was fighting my own case and i had my own freedom at stake i was willing to to you know lead that way i was willing to be the the, the horse out in front with my saber drawn and. And I had a plan because I had to get out of that mess. I still believe that I'm willing to to behave that way if needed, but I don't think it's needed today. I think what's needed is enough people that say, you know what, let's do this together, let's do this as a team, let's put our thoughts together, let's come with some good ideas, and let's solve this. Let's end prohibition altogether. People don't understand about prohibition. We, in California, we passed a, a, a recreational, you know, legalized state, right? And yet I have a friend who uh, sells a CBD line, and she was at a an event, a sporting event a, a month or two ago. And at that event, I was actually there, and there was a bunch of cops walking around. And these were CBD products, no THC whatsoever, not even full spectrum. They are pure CBD products. And I noticed these cops hanging around this table, and they didn't say anything. They were just there, as cops like to do, and they were just sort of present, close enough that you knew they were there, and, you know, they're trained to notice shit. So they were noticing, well, this Woman came to me and said, "Hey, look what they look what they did." And she sent showed me a copy of an email that was uh, sent to her by the um, promoter, the one that put on this event. And they said, "Well, there was questions and concerns by some of the attendees of the event, and um, they didn't have any way to prove that there was no THC in these products, and so they're concerned." of violating federal laws and they just didn't know what to do so we think it's best you don't come around here no Whoa. More. Whoa. at the same time we have people that will claim legal in all 50 states so I can ship anywhere in the world I can do this, I can do that everybody's right but the truth is it doesn't matter if you're right sometimes when You live in a world where prohibition exists. Anybody that has any power, like a law enforcement official, can lean on anybody else, like the promoter of an event, and say, hey, you know, we're not so comfortable with this. What are you going to do about it? And things will happen. Does it mean that you couldn't appeal it, fight it, win it? Well, it's a private event. They can do what they want. They can let in who they want, and they can exclude who they want. So, prohibition can affect us not just by getting locked up and having your property taken, um, much as you know civil rights issues, much as bigotry of any way, fear and um, bias and. Expressing yourself in in a malevolent, powerful way. Human nature's been doing that forever. And there's places where CBD's legal and places where it's not. And at the end of the day, in my opinion, who cares? In my opinion, we should just do it. In my opinion, we should do it until it breaks. And then challenge it in my opinion we should do what we need to do you know people ask me all the time well what about this what about that are you legal do you have a license do you do this so what who cares well, blah, 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 blah. Well, well you're going to get in trouble you're going to lose yeah you're right i've been locked up i've been drugged down i've been challenged i've been convicted tried No, I never got sentenced. I got unconvicted and untried. But the truth is, it was never about that. There's a place where right is right and wrong is wrong. And I was at at a demonstration of some uh, electrical medicine technology yesterday. And I was with a lady who um, was uh, a religious woman. And she was talking about, um, you know, God's laws and how the Bible says, you know, we we have to follow the law and give unto Caesar what Caesar wants and give unto God what God wants. And I said to her this, I said, you know, there was a point in America, American history, not that long ago because we haven't been a country all that long, where it was legal, perfectly legal for a man to own another man, and a woman and a child. And for that man, if that woman and or child was to escape, it would be perfectly legal for them to hunt down and torture, dismember, and kill those human beings in direct violation of God's law. So I said to her, what about that? She didn't know what to think. Well, what about prohibition? How does that fit into it? Pretty subjective, isn't it? But
1: if you were to weigh
2: Laws by right and wrong, by by morality, by a victim or not, by um, relative safety, by whatever by whatever measure you might weigh it against. I don't know how honestly you can come up with a legitimate position that would support prohibition. You cannot still to this day, in spite of whatever poisons and pesticides and fertilizers and molds and funguses that have ever been present on this plant, that have demonstrated that this plant and this plant alone has been responsible for a single death. Yep, there's been stories of somebody dying from mold. Well, if you see something's moldy, don't eat it, don't smoke it, don't ingest it. That's a simple rule of thumb. People die from moldy food all the time. They don't prohibit that food. They don't even enact stronger regulations over it. That's kind of a a Darwinian law. Eat bad food, you might get sick. So, when we talk about prohibition, we're not talking about a law. We're not talking about, um, you know, baby steps. We're talking about concept where government that is supposed to be an entity, an institution that is comprised of, by, and for the people that has become oppressive and instead of being of, by, and for the people, has been of, by, and for itself in spite of the people. And as I said last week, this is where I'm sitting here going, okay, we need to fashion a plan. Because at one point, when is it our obligation to rise up and do something about it? When is it our obligation to fight, take a risk, maybe step up and make the challenge? Because it's always taken bold individuals to do that to make any change throughout history. Go back and look at your history books, okay? It's taken people that were willing to accept the consequences or challenge them, usually the latter, to get up and make a change. Because the change is not going to happen by itself. We're not going to just become enlightened and say, oh, yeah, give the power back to the people because that's the right thing to do. That's not going to happen. It's never happened in all of history, and it's not going to happen tomorrow. What is going to happen if we decide to make it happen is enough people are going to get off their asses and say, wow, wouldn't it be nice to live in a world where we had the freedom to grow whatever plant we wanted? And that became important enough to make it happen. And if enough of us got together and decided it was important enough to do something about it, that said, hey, wow, what if I want to ingest whatever I want if it doesn't hurt anybody? And include that in it. You know, my cousin's fighting for uh, the rights of people to not vaccinate their kids and themselves. And regardless of what you think about that, do you have a right to not be inoculated with the disease? I think you do. Yeah, you're right. Maybe you become a danger to society because this disease might have a chance to live through you. But for society to determine that injecting you with the pathogen is
7: They're right. their
2: right, against your right? I don't know. I just have issues with that. And do I think that more science needs to be done? Do I think that we need to study all this stuff more? Oh, absolutely. Let's get to the truth. But do we take away people's inalienable rights in the process? When do we let that happen? Because that's what we've been doing. And because of our fears and because of our ignorances and because of our our, our hatreds and our, our, yeah, I think it a lot of times comes down to fears. We let these people tell us what to do and we let these people uh, take away our rights because they never give us rights. When was the last time a law was passed that gave us a right? If you're a gay person... You got some laws passed that gave you some rights that you should have had all along. They should have never been taken. But, yeah, you got some rights back. That's about it. In the last, I don't know, since the Civil Rights Act of, what, 1960-something or 50-something, I don't even know when it all came about. But that was the last time, really, we were given a law was passed where anybody was was given a right. And it was never, never Have we had a law that gave us a right that we didn't already have to begin with, that shouldn't have been taken away? But why doesn't anybody talk about that? I don't know the answer to it, but I'm looking for some people that are willing to stand up and have this conversation, and let's craft a plan, and let's put it together, and let's make these changes, and let's do it proactively. That's what this show's about, and that's what I'm about, and that's what... I'm here to make happen, and that's what the human solution is about. We're a civil rights group. We're not a pot group. We're not a pot group at all. We're a civil rights group, a simple, basic concept that we are all born with inalienable rights bestowed upon us by our creator, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and there's nothing that any government gets to do to take those things away. And if we allow it to happen, frankly, we deserve it. Right. We deserve it. So let's fix it. Let's fix it. All right, we have an incredible guest on the show today. And uh, the more I, I learn about this guy, the, the more uh, respect I have for him. His name's Chris Bertzel. And, you know, generally, I don't um, combine business with this show. But We talk about the plant, we talk about the rights, we talk about, um, a lot of people talk about the medicine, why it's important that we have access to this plant, and I think that those are worthwhile conversations, and I think that they're worthy of this show. But one of the main reasons that I want Chris Bergel to be here on this show is because he supports the human solution and the work we do through his business and aside from my company, I don't know of any other companies that have really done something overt like what Chris has done. We have one company that came on and it's a it's a dispensary in California and she came on and and, you know, we're fans of hers and the work she's doing, and she has this um, room that's uh, a museum or a, a gallery um, of work for the, the lifers, the prisoners, and uh, Dee Dee's going to be on the show one day soon, hopefully, and, and talk about the grand opening of this uh, project. And, and um, you know, this person has done good work, and I, I absolutely support it. But Chris is actually doing something that, specifically supports our organization and the work we do and is going to be actively part of ending prohibition. And to me, I totally agree. We need to support our POWs. Do not take that lightly. I have I have done a lot to support POWs and I, I expect and support everybody doing the same. There's a lot of ways to do that. and um, You know, as a person who's been locked up, um, having support from people when you're on the inside is paramount. And uh, to raise up some of these guys that are um, truly victims, and I don't use that word lightly and I don't use that word often, but uh, there are victims of the drug war. And some of these guys, if you learn about their stories, are heartbreaking. And we need people that will stand and stand up and, and help them and um, so Dee Dee's one of those people and I, I, I love and, and respect and support her work. Um, but again, the human solution is on a mission to end prohibition, to end it, to finish the job, to cause there to be a world where it's not a crime to grow or possess or sell or transport cannabis or make stuff out of it, or whatever. It shouldn't be a crime. And why we still allow it to be a crime, even though we pass a law, and I'll make one last point before I bring Chris on. Read your laws, folks. Read them, read them, read them, read them, read them. When they say, we've made it legal, and nobody goes to jail anymore for pot, and what you'll find 100% of the time is that nobody goes to jail for possessing cannabis anymore. But you can still go to jail for cultivating it. You can still go to jail for selling it. You can still go to jail for transporting it. You can still go to jail for manufacturing things out of it. And you can still go to jail for conspiring to do any of those things. In every single state that has passed a law, go read it, and you'll go, oh, see that part kind of read all the words on the page folks all the words on the page so anyways chris has a business and um he has uh through pete yapel who is one of our chapter coordinators and a dear friend and hopefully pete will be on the line here soon he said he was going to be joining the conversation i was kind of stalling a little bit to get him to come on too but um, hopefully he'll make it somebody has his number tell him to call i know it's uh New York, so the the time is three hours off. But anyways, um, Chris has got a a line of ice cream, CBD-infused products, and uh, he has put a special out that a particular uh, one that that, um, he offers. He's um, donating a portion of it to our organization. And many people have um, made offers of support. But Chris has actually done it, and uh, he made a deposit uh, a week or two ago, and um, he did what he said, and he's he's been engaged um, in some other areas, and, and he has passion. He's a veteran, um, and I'll let him tell his story a little bit, but uh, very seldom have I been moved to have a conversation about business when um, this show's been involved, but... Chris definitely has crossed over the line to activism through all of that. So without any further ado, Chris Bertzel, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me,
8: Joe. Appreciate it. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a privilege. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, as you stated, my name is Chris Bertzel. I'm a 70% uh, disabled Army veteran. Uh, I started a company, uh, Mr. Birdsall's Wonder Elixirs, uh, which is a CBD current um ice uh, italian ice infused with cbd isolate i'm um, also looking forward to bringing out a thc line as soon as that's legal in my area um as you said i've been working with pete evil um and we created a, uh, a specific ice for him the purple yeeple eater um and Woo. a dollar from every sale of that goes directly to the human solution indefinitely in perpetuity
2: well and and, and not only did you make that that offer but you stood by it and uh and people are buying it, so um, yeah,
8: definitely. You know, even, even though it's twenty degrees in New York, we're still we're still moving slowly, but we're moving.
2: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, so how did you get involved in this? Uh, you know, what moved you to to get involved with this this line of uh, of products?
8: Uh, CBD, basically, what I consider saved my life, uh, and I'll tell you why. I was on eleven different prescriptions from the VA clinic, um, and every time they gave me another pill, it gave me another sentence. So I need another pill. Um, I was loopy. I was out of it. I couldn't think straight. I wasn't myself, and this went on for about uh, sixteen months. Um, I got sicker and sicker and and I just couldn't take it anymore. A friend of mine put me on to CBD oil. um I felt the difference almost instantaneously, and I was able to get off all eleven um, medications so it it literally brought me back from from death
2: wow and 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 yet um, you know still in many places, even cbd is is not recognized by the state. Um, um as a substance that can be bought and sold. Um
1: Oh yeah, I still get in New York
8: every day. I get told that I'm not allowed to make the ice and I'm not allowed to do this and I'm not allowed to do that. And they know where I'm at.
2: <laughs> well I, I I appreciate your courage on that front. I, I, I share that with you as you know. Um and yep. you know the truth is uh some things that we're standing up for and
8: I, I you know yeah, I if, believe if, that I think Go ahead. Go ahead. OK, I was going to no, say, I was, you know, I think that's I think that's,
1: <laughs> no, I think no, that's I what you were
8: saying earlier was the, the um, you know, the point that I, I want to make and get across is that everyone just needs to stand up. I mean, for something, for anything. Um, I'm a person who I, I really don't care about the cause. I stand up for anyone who's downtrodden or anyone who's, you know, uh, an underdog, so to speak. I mean, I have stood up for gay rights, gun rights, pot rights. I mean, you know, we as a country and as a people just have to say enough is enough. You know, as you said, of by four, we need to get back to that on every issue.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um I, I think that when we when we break it down to the fundamental issues at, at stake and we start talking about liberty <coughs> instead of the specific uh infringement of that liberty, it all it all it all starts to make sense. You know, you you uh were active in the service for how long?
8: Uh eight years total.
2: Eight years. So for eight years of yep. your life you were a a, a government issue uh, um, entity. You were property of the U.S. government, and you were told Correct. that you were you were protecting our freedom, and you were you were the the you know you were the hammer that 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 this country has, and you were the the shield at the same time.
8: <clears throat> Correct.
2: And I believe that that's true. But at what point? <laughs> what? What, what are we protecting for and against? At, at, our what, own government. at what
8: point and what cost? Yeah, at what point and what cost, you know? Um, you yeah. see, you know, thousands upon thousands and, and hundreds of thousands of broken veterans with a broken VA system, um, you know, and it's just so easy to slip into. Like I said, you go for one pill, you're on 11 by the end of the week. Um, you know, it's just one of those things that it's, it's not true health you know? So, so even if, if we were, and I'll argue that point, we'll be on a 15-hour show back and forth on that one but um you know even if that is the case if we're over in another country for freedom um you know what happens when we come back you know
2: exactly and you know the thing is too because of technology and because of medical advancements um people are surviving injuries um in in the in the overseas theater <clears throat> much more Absolutely. than before so we now have instead of a lot of, of killed in action we have you have injured you know you have you have a lot more people that get injured and they survive these injuries and their traumatic injuries concussion injuries amputations um and i say Mm -hmm. that because i deal with a lot of them all the time and that's not even touching all the ptsd issues uh, of of being in a wartime environment um and and like you said you end up on a cocktail of drugs and i don't know how many veterans we've had that have told Almost the same story. I mean, I I could tell the story because I've heard it from so many veterans. And yet you have on the other side of that coin a compound or series of compounds that has never killed anybody. And that has helped Mm -hmm. so many people in so many ways um, without a single overdose. You know, you can't say that about Mm -hmm. aspirin. You can't say that about water. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. and uh and 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 i I think so many people that that are in a situation like this where i mean frankly the government should be supplying this stuff to to you guys um mm-hmm. and it just it just hopefully sheds a light on, on on where the problem is you know you got pharmaceutical companies making policy, you have um, good old boys club um uh, being stroked by by billionaires' clubs. And none of Mm -hmm. them have much to gain by this medicine taking over their own way
8: as it always has been. Yeah, absolutely. Not to mention they've used the military for 30 years as a, you know, a a pawn piece in their, quote, unquote, war on drugs only to control the profits themselves. You know, so there's always that and the stigmatism that they, you know, they bred into every soldier, sailor, and marine.
2: Well, and and not only that, but you guys have been test subjects for so many drugs and, and, and compounds. You know, everybody that I've ever known that's that's gone overseas, oh, at one point or another, they're told to lift up your your shirt and and take an injection, and they don't tell you what yep. it is. Oh, absolutely. And they're not going to tell you what it is, and and Correct. it could be anything until,
8: until twenty years later. Yeah.
2: <laughs> right. Exactly. And and you know, as 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 a culture of that. And, you know, historically people in power all around have taken full advantage of anybody they could. So what a perfect mm-hmm. uh uh series of test subjects, but an all volunteer military. <laughs> you yep, know? Absolutely. It, it's crazy. So anyways, um you know, uh I understand you're a family man and um yeah. what 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 are your thoughts about the people, you know, one of the big reasons that I stand up to end prohibition as a specific cause, is because I see families torn apart because of one family member or another choosing to use this as medicine or or provide this or or, or prepare it or whatever they're doing um, at at risk of of you know having a, a child taken away or, uh, or or a loved one. Uh, you know somehow taken away through through child protective services, what are your thoughts about that?
8: Oh, I mean I, I think it's it's outrageous i mean I read a, you know read the horror stories all day long about how they've given parents back to you know abusive or given children back to abusive parents, and you know later on the ch- children have been murdered i mean it, to take a child away for a plant is, is absolutely ridiculous and even more so um, for a, a parent who wants to take you know the, their rights into their hands and treat the child with cannabis or cannabis oil um you know for one of a million diseases i think that's out out you know outlandish um and we as a country should be way you know way ahead of that
2: well um what do you think as far as you know i know you're you're providing these uh these infused ice italian ices
1: Mm -hmm. um
2: and you know let's just say you know i like to visualize the outcome of things i think that's a technique that if if more of us did it we would see more of what we wanted. Yep. Um and my visualization would be a world where um you know if I wanted to have twenty pot plants growing in front of my yard, I, I could do that. If I wanted to, to buy, sell, make, um, transport anything, whether it was flowers or, or elixirs or or oil or whatever, anything that, that it would be a, a product like any other. Um mm-hmm. you know if that was the case, what do you think you would be doing? And if we had this freedom where the the criminal aspect of the plant was removed.
8: Uh I mean I I'd be doing exactly what I'm doing, but I would offer, you know, whole plant solutions and uh you know, offering anyone anything I could. Um you know, if they didn't do it do it in their own backyard or, you know, um for me, you know, it, it's a passion. Um so so the laws really
2: are one of those things where
8: they're more of suggestions. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally I I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. And I, 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 I tend to uh um uh, to to thank you for your suggestion and move along and do my own thing. Um
8: <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So that
2: all be said. I mean I don't very often um give people an opportunity to, to put a plug out, but again, as you've been supportive of our organization directly and you you, you we're a kindred spirit and you, you you are an ally in this and you're part of the human solution. Um, how does somebody get a hold of you and, and how does somebody, uh, you know, participate with your program?
8: Sure. They can send me uh email at wonder elixirs at gmail.com. Uh, go on the website, wonder elixirs.com. Um, you know, and the, the, all the contact phone numbers and everything are on there as well as uh, contact forms.
2: Fantastic. And I, I, I was just talking to Pete today and, uh, I guess you guys are really, really doing some good work out there. He has nothing but the, the highest uh, accolades to to lay on your shoulders.
8: Yeah, yeah, we're definitely rocking and rolling out here, and we're trying to get the uh, East Coast caught up with the West Coast.
2: Well, I I I see it happening, and and knowing a a few individuals that are out there on the front line, out there making it happen um i it, it's inevitable um and i'll be coming back out there again before too long hopefully i'll be able to hook up and meet with you in person absolutely excellent all right folks chris birdsall from new york and thanks uh, for having me uh, wonder elixirs are are uh a product that i would encourage you to investigate and realize that uh Uh, this company supports the human solution and we certainly are, are are pleased about that. So thank you for coming to the show and we'll, we'll have you back soon.
8: Thank you. Have a good night. Bye-bye.
2: All right. Thanks, Chris. Okay. Um, I want to read this letter I just got from, um, Mark or Wesley Sudbury. And, uh, I just recently got contacted. I told you about the uh the medicine man that came and stayed with me and uh a month or two ago and one of the guys that was part of this whole uh, ceremony that we did after the event we we sat and talked, and he told me about a friend of his who had a son who was locked up in federal prison and he was, I thought, connected to the Roger Christie case, but apparently it was a parallel case or similar. In in some way, it wasn't exactly the same case, I don't think. And uh, his mom was supposed to call in last night, uh, or not last night, last week, but she tried and wasn't able to get in. <clears throat> she did go to our website, and she did... Um, Um, put in a a request for help and again to reiterate or to clarify the human solution is not a um, we're not a a church we're not a um, we're not the Red Cross and we're not um, the shelter where you go and get a free meal But what we are is a group of concerned people that have been through trials and tribulations that recognize the value of support, that care, that in circumstances that warrant it, um, are willing to do exceptional deeds. Um, We will educate you about where you're at and what you can do, we will give you a voice we will uh, encourage you to tell your story. We will help to raise you up, and if you're going through a trial, we will we will stand with you and and and, and uh, raise you up that way. What we don't do is um, we don't have free lawyers, uh, but we do know some lawyers, and sometimes we'll we'll tell a story. Just so, and a lawyer might want to raise his hand and say, yeah, I'll help out here, and that's happened before. We have the ability to raise money, but um, it's certainly not a focus. We're all volunteers. Nobody gets paid, so money isn't really so much of a thing, although we use it well. We use it to create uh, educational materials and banners and and that kind of thing, and we keep our uh, our website going. And uh, We use it to fuel the engine, and so when donations come in, there are no admin costs to it. It's literally a hundred percent spent on the cause, on the mission, and those are that's something that no no nonprofit does, not a single one. Um, so, anyways, I talked to the mom, and she started telling me about the story, and and he had. Uh, he has an attorney that's not participating and doesn't want to, um, won't tell him what he's filing. And, but the mom didn't really understand the details about it. And I said, well, you know, if, if you want to get support, it would be great if you could come on the show and tell your story a little bit. It would, it, it's one of the things that we have to offer. Oh, I don't, I don't talk too well on the show. And I says, well, um, it's not so much about what you say, it's about how you say it. It's about speaking from the heart. If you can connect with people and and, and, and connect with their heartstrings um, and engage them, you can... And when if you've ever been to court, I mean, I've been to court hundreds of times, and I've been in courtrooms all over the country, and on either side of it. I've been defendants and I've, I've been a defendant in three felony cases. I've faced 22 felony charges and I've had people I've been in shackles and I've looked out in the gallery and saw people that were there wearing this solidarity ribbon and I've been in the gallery wearing a solidarity ribbon when uh, a defendant came out in shackles. We're not and there's a powerful energy that happens when that's the case. I can remember being sick and, and weak and, and you know, led up like a fucking animal with shackles on my feet and my arms. And I, I had my hands behind my back, and they wouldn't let me not have my hands behind my back. And when I got up, sit in my chair, they said, don't turn around, and I turned around, and I saw the people, and they yanked me back, turned me back around, but not before I saw those people, and I looked out there, and I saw that room was full, and I smiled at them for just a second, and I defied the fuck out of these people, because they were wrong, and I was right, and they couldn't stop that, and they, you know, they wouldn't let me keep turning around, but I did that one time. And that's the power, that's what the human solution does and can do. And beyond that, we'd, we'd certainly do more than that, but that's certainly one of our strengths. And so when I tell this lady, you know, if you can just get on and, and, and tell the story, you don't have to tell us about the details of the case. You're a mom, your son is locked up, you know, you can tell us how that feels, you can tell us, us about how important it is to support him, that it'll matter. And hopefully she will. Hopefully she'll call. She was kind of shy, and she had just gone through a a cancer operation, had a a cancer removed, and she was dealing with some complications from um, anesthesia and whatnot. So I don't know. But hopefully she will. Well, then she put me on with her son. And, you know, he started talking about this, and I knew he had 15 minutes to talk, and I said kind of the same thing. I said, well, you know, Wesley, I, I, I want to help you, but I kind of need to know, what do you want? You know, a lot of guys, I've, I've dealt with a lot of people in prison. I've been locked up. I've been around a lot of people that have been locked up. And there's a there's a mindset that happens. And people think they know how things are and they think they know a way to make something happen. And they get kind of fixated on that. And um, I said, well, I don't, I don't know the details of your case and I don't know, I'm not a, a legal professional, um, but I do know things that I've seen work and I do know things that I've seen not work. And I do know that when we can get the attention of the community to the problem of your case, Sometimes we can make things happen. Unfortunately, most of the time, attorneys don't like that. They don't want you to uh, tell your story. They don't want, you know, they want to have all the power. But time after time after time after time, these lawyers don't give a goddamn about you. And they will do what they think is, I don't know what their thinking is. I don't know what their their their, their rationality is, but what I do know is that they'll file motions, they'll screw them up, and you'll end up still in jail, still in prison, getting sentenced, getting whatever, and they go home to their families, and they drive their fancy rich car, and they pull up to their fancy rich house on the money that they made from you. And that's what they do. I'm not saying all lawyers are bad, and I'm not saying that there's anything inherently evil about them, but I know what I've seen, and I've seen it over and over again, and yet, time after time after time, defendants just won't stand up to their own lawyers. Remember this, folks, if you find yourself as a defendant, you are the defendant. Your lawyer is not. You are the one responsible for your freedom. Your lawyer is not. Your lawyer may not even care whether you get out or not. Your lawyer may or may not give you the vigorous defense that you're entitled to. He may or he may not. But if he doesn't, then what? He's not going to jail. He's not going to prison. But you are. So I told them, I said, you know what, Wesley, I I think the best thing if you can do is to put your thoughts together and um, get them to me and we'll talk. I said, I don't want to, I can talk. About your story, if I know what it is, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to give you my time and energy, and I'm I'm I I know people, and I know people who know people, and so if your story gets told in the right way, it's possible that somebody who can do something about it will hear. But that's it. You hand me a limp wrist, and I'll shake it and let it go because I don't know what to do with that. So here's what he wrote to me, and hopefully. You know, I'll get some ideas. I'm always very, I take this very seriously because this man is locked up and I'm not. And I don't want to do anything that would cause him harm. I would only want to do something that would help him. And I can only tell him what I've seen. That's all I know. I only know what I've seen. I don't know what I haven't seen. And I don't know what you tell me is true or not true unless I know it, so I can share my experiences. To some, they might be plentiful. To some, I might be an ignorant fool. Probably fit somewhere in the middle in most places. But anyways, this is what he had to say. Hello, Joe. Good to speak to you. Good to speak with you. And know that there's somebody out there doing the work you're doing. After speaking with you, I spent the night writing a rough draft of my story then I spoke with my real legal assistant, not my court appointed lawyer, and he expressed his concern that any media attention or other pressure on the court could compromise potential non-biased consideration of upcoming pretrial motions by the judge because they may just hurry to remove the spotlight by dealing with the case as quickly as possible. On considering this, I've decided to hold back on giving out my story, at least for now, as I consider the best strategy to utilize the tools available to me. Down the line as court pleadings have been attempted, successfully or unsuccessfully, I'm sure there will be a constant reevaluation of my best strategy for the next step. Please provide your thoughts on this. What do you think about the idea presented above? I would appreciate hearing of your success and your current endeavors in your story. What do you think the political climate regarding the average cannabis supporters view on religious use is? I found that most supporters of cannabis tend to experience a bit of confusion when it comes to the idea of religious use, even though they express spiritual reasons for their use. Perhaps this is due to a lot of sanction against cannabis use coming from religions over the past hundred years or so. Even though that is changing now, I have concerns that supporters may be very short lived in support of me in this cause. Looking forward to hearing from you, Wesley. And so I encourage you to get with me and share your ideas share your thoughts i don't have an answer for this at this moment i'm going to think on it but i take it seriously when somebody asks my opinion i want to give the very best one that i have i want to base it on the best reason and 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 experience that i have so um i encourage your thoughts i'm easily found and reached but i'll uh my, my Facebook page is usually the, the quickest way to get to me, the public page. Um, or through the website, thsintl.org. I can easily be reached through there. I used to give out my phone number a lot, but um, I don't do that so much anymore. But it's posted published all over the place, so it's easy to find. Anyways, if you're serious and you want to be part of this, I encourage you to step in, get involved. Um, I will... I will engage it, I guarantee you. All right, we got a, about a half an hour left on the show. Um, I don't know what happened to Glenn and Peggy. They were on. Um, I don't know if anybody can reach back out to them. And hopefully they can come back on the phone. And also uh, Scott and Nikki were on too. And they, they both wanted to talk, but I didn't get to them quick enough. So hopefully um, we can get them on. So we got uh, Bob and Colleen. Bob and Colleen are way up in the, the Pacific Northwest, and um, I've been to court support for Bobby, and he's been to court support for a bunch of people, and uh, spent a lot of time with these two good and loving folks that watched them do uh, extraordinary things to help out uh, our members and uh, friends of the cause. So. Love these two, and uh, let's see what they got to say. Bob, Colleen, welcome to the show. How are you guys doing?
6: Doing good, Joe. How are you?
2: I'm doing fantastic. I'm above ground, breathing, and currently out of custody.
6: There you go. There you go. I'll tell you what. It has been a beautiful thing watching this thing grow since 2012, where it's come from and where it's went to now. And you had told me one day, you said, "Man, I'm touching you, man. And one day you're gonna touch somebody else, and it's just gonna spark a chain reaction." And you know, you know, I touched a few people, but my brother Frank Canan, it was like, you know, he got a DUI up in Butte County, and just thought he was screwed. Nobody had his back, and that's why I said, "No, man, we're gonna go down and talk to Tom Corby. You know, we're gonna we're gonna do this." You know, and he was scared shitless, man. And we, it got to the point where the, the bailiff wouldn't, wouldn't even let me near him when he was talking to his attorney, you know, but he, Frank already knew what to tell him, you know, no pleas. He wasn't taking a plea. And the look on his face when he beat it, man, you know, no fine, no nothing, said it all. And it created another soldier, man. And then just to watch, you know, him, you know, grow like that is, was the, me touching somebody and seeing that look was something that I don't know, man. I can't explain it. <laughs> and I don't think I well, could ever thank you enough for showing me the way.
2: Well, you know, again, the the thing that's important about all of this is that it's not about me and it's not about you. It's about the Well, way. no, it's
1: about the
6: world. I, w- I had a vision also, Joe, and all these steel mills and uh, everything with uh, hemp, <laughs> we to replace all that and there'd be no more pollution. It'd be gone. There you know, automobiles could run on it. There'd be no more war over oil. But how does the United States government come out and say, We've been legally killing you for years? And we knew we you know, we knew it. They you know, we've ruined this earth ourselves. What about, you know, a hemp hemp cups and hemp straws, all this plastic in the ocean? This could all have been hemp. You know, and uh, we've done it to ourselves, but I think the truth is the truth. And and we're starting to see it. I'm not so much of a religious person as I am a man of God. I think that, you know, a man God created man, man created religion, religion created government to divide the people. And seeing the people come together one person at a time, just simply by seeing the truth is what's happening.
7: Well, and...
2: And the thing of it is, is it really doesn't matter what any of us think. Things are what they are, whether we think them or not. And there is good and there's bad and there's right and there's wrong. And, you know, there is a right way and there's a better way. And that really doesn't depend on what we think. And I think that, you know, if we start looking at the bigger picture and the bigger picture, the farther back we step, the more of it we can see, right? Right. And if you start looking at some of the big problems, and all of a sudden you start looking at the same, the same sources of these problems, and yet we allow those sources to cause us more problems over and over again, and we elect them in in office, and we uh, buy their products, and we don't stand up or speak up uh, out against them, and we wait until we're poisoned and and have cancer before we, you know, file a lawsuit against them, and 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 yet. You know, when was the last time you went to the ocean? Um, I can remember as a kid surfing and snorkeling and skimboarding and going to beaches that were beautiful and and you know you didn't you might see a cigarette butt or something on the on the beach but generally you could walk in the morning and and and, and see a low tide and find seashells and 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 not just see shit all over the place. You go to the beach today. And this is in California, not talking about some of the, the, the dump beaches and, you know, in in, in, uh, in in Asian beaches and some of these places across the world that are just piled high with trash. But you go to a beach in California today, and even up in northern California, you will find crap all over the sand. You'll find junk. You'll find needles and plastic and, and just trash. Right. And I think to myself, "When did we be okay with this?" And I think it's all kind of tied together i think I think that we've become very complacent and and not compassionate about our planet, about each other, about the world that we live in about about all of these things and 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 instead of you know having some grit and standing up for what's right we we take a step back and we blame the other guy and I think it's time to I don't know. Maybe own some of this, and and maybe make a decision to to make some changes. What do you think? I
6: think I think boycotting would be great I, if everybody started boycotting a lot of this bullshit. You know, because that's what it is. You know, Bill Clinton saying you know he didn't inhale. Okay, right, sure. You know, who can prove that? You know, like, really, you had a joint in your mouth. That's, you know, it's it, all this.
1: Yep.
6: It, I don't think it's all a money thing, you know, and that's all it is. The, the Cannabis saved my life. I have to have it every day or I will die, you know, and the scientists want to research on me and shit. I'm scared shitless of them, you know, but I, I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. And I've, you know, I've got to do it. But it's, you know, it's like I shouldn't, I don't live in fear. I don't fear them anymore. Once I found the human solution, that's when my fear went away. You know, that's when I realized that there were people that cared out there. Still, so I reached out to normal, nothing against normal. I, you know, they're a great group, but they, they just didn't do nothing for me. You know, they, they, they didn't, you know, they wanted me to take a plea. And I'm like, I have a doctor that's telling me to use marijuana in a state that's a, it's illegal. Why would I take a plea? You know, I'm, that, that, that doesn't make any sense. You know, if I'm using nope. cannabis in a hospital in a state where it's illegal, why would I take a plea bargain? You know, uh, well, it, I want to see the shit out of him one day, but <laughs> I just <laughs> get around to it. Well, I, I, I know that um, it's not about whether it's
2: legal or not it's about what's right and what's wrong and in my opinion again this is my show i guess i get to have my opinion but we're all we're all worthy of these freedoms that we have and there isn't anybody on this planet that has really in my opinion a right to take them away without good reason and I just haven't seen any good reason for any of any of the, the the prohibition laws that have been enacted and we know if you know anything about them, you know why they were enacted and it didn't have anything to do with actually being a hazard. It had to do with fears and bias and racism and all of the, the, the convoluted um, things that come out of that. So
6: Anyways, um, I'm surprised that they don't teach in schools in history classes. You know, the first flag was made out of not polyester, but hemp, and you know, and uh, the Declaration of Independence is written on it. And at a certain point in time in our country, you were required to grow it, or you would go to prison, because they needed it for the, you know, the, the the war.
2: I hear you, hemp for victory. Yeah, it's anyway, freedom.
6: The first flag was made out of it. That's what. <laughs> I love you. I'll you. I'll get, let you get on to the next caller.
2: All right, Bobby. It's uh, it's a pleasure, and I I I see good things coming to you in the very near future.
6: I see them coming to all of us. Like you said, it ain't about me. It ain't about you. I see them coming to all of us, brother.
2: That's what I like to hear. All right, Bobby and Colleen, dear friends, and and part of the human solution. And, you know, I I, I hate to, to be so bold and so blunt about it, but um, if you're not part of the solution, you're probably part of the problem. And I wish it wasn't that way. I wish you could be neutral, but there is no neutral. If you stop moving, you're spinning around at 10,000 miles an hour at the same speed of the rotation of the Earth. You are moving one direction or another. So, why not take control of that motion? Why not make a decision? And, you know, whatever your opinions about these things, we always seem to have enough energy to groan and whine and bitch and not enough energy to get an idea to come and say, hey, I got an idea. Who's with me? Let's do this. Neuro linguistic programming, folks, we are wired. We have pathways that thoughts travel down easily, and we travel down the path of least resistance. It's just how we're made. We can take these pathways and make them be goal-oriented. We can cause the things we want to happen to happen, but we have to get in the habit of standing up, going through that rough patch, going through the uncomfortable zone, getting out there and actually putting a friggin' effort into something, even when it's hard, even when it's it's it's, it's nobody's here, and nobody listens, and nobody and nobody and nobody you know what? You can be that one. If you go out and flick your big lighter in the middle of the darkness, there's no more darkness. You got a light. You got a light right where you're standing. Hey Mary, we got a call on that just came in. I wanna see if they wanna talk. I'm not I don't recognize the number right off hand. Um, and that one light if you've ever and there's another one look at that if you've ever shown a light in a dark place see what happens what happens is things get drawn to it and you know we have a chapter in Ohio called the creative care beacon chapter and that came out of that whole concept of our beacon of us being a lighthouse out there um, of us being a uh, a beacon to those who who needed help and didn't know where to find it um if we shine a light with our voice with our presence with our words with our you know our writings our um our any which way we can you will draw people to you First, the moths will come, and then the beetles will come. We're a ribbon, and well, that's a way to shine that light.
4: Open your mouth.
2: you know, there's so many ways to be that beacon and and that's what <laughs> oh, this that's what this organization is about is is being that beacon. So um, there's no reason for anybody to say, "I can't do this. There's no reason for anybody to say. Uh, Nobody wants to help, there's no reason for any of it. Um, What there is, is something that's bigger than us that needs all of us. And I'm encouraging you to be part of it. Glenn Keeling is uh, part of the solution. He's part of the Creative Care Beacon solution that I was just talking about. And he's on the air right now. So I wanna thank whoever got a hold of him. Glenn, welcome to the show. I hope you have some good news for us today.
9: Well, good evening go. Good evening. Um yeah, the only news I've got is um we've got until January seventh to have our brief turned in. Um, and that's as far as we've gotten in a year. That's crazy. Um I'm the biggest reason why I'm calling it tonight is you know and, and reaching out and 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 standing with one another. And man, it just I just I, I cannot understand why in the hell people don't do it. What the hell is wrong with people? Can they not see and understand that it just takes a little bit to support somebody just to come together and show solidarity? I don't understand. There's a shit ton of people out here that call themselves activists, but what the hell are they really activating on? What they just a lot of it is just a lot of mouthwork because I don't see a lot of activists really doing a lot coming together and supporting, I just see a lot of separation and, and a lot of different groups standing and saying, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me, and really they've not done nothing. Man, it's time, honest to God, man, really. What the hell is it going to take for people to come together and finally stand side by side with one another for a cause? I mean, what, what what's it going to take? What is, we all keep saying the same thing. And where, where, when are these people going to do it, Joe? Where are they at? What's going on with them?
2: Well, one by one, Glenn, one by one, I watch our numbers grow. I watch the people that get it get bigger. And as we've decided a few years ago that it's better to grow slowly and carefully and train the trainers um, that's what's happening. What happens is is we don't see as we're as we're teaching people about you know how to be effective. We teach people about what the problems are and how to solve them. We teach people about the importance of standing together. It, you don't see the results immediately. You don't see it doesn't happen overnight. Um, but I believe that we're gaining on it one by one. and I believe that you and your wife and, and the Creative Care Beacon chapter, in Ohio is making a difference, and I think that that is what's spreading. You know, we've grown four new chapters this year, and um, I think that that alone shows that we're starting to get it. And even if the chapters are small, um, and it, and it sometimes seems like they're not, they're not growing in a in a in a way that we would want to see. It doesn't matter. What does matter is that one by one there's a light bulb turning on. And once you turn that light bulb off, it doesn't go off. Once you turn it on, it doesn't go off. Once, once you understand something, you don't get to become ignorant again. Once you learn it and, and know it, um, hopefully you're driven to act on it. Hopefully that's something that, you know, you'll, 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 you'll draw that from it and draw it to it. So anyways, um, it looks like everybody's piling on at the end of the show. So, um, I got about five new people that just called in and they want to talk, and I will, as always um, make room for everybody. so if you call in, if I go overtime, it's okay. every show I start and I go, I don't know if I got anything to say today, and it might have to cut early, and then here we are twenty minutes before the show's over, and I got way too much to
1: say so I um, appreciate you being here, and uh, hopefully this brief
2: um, gets done I don't know what would be keeping it But um, I certainly Let's talk tomorrow about that And see if there's anything that we can do To uh, uh, to cause it to happen uh, Glenn how does somebody get a hold of you In Ohio if they want to be part of the solution
9: Right on Absolutely listen You guys can find me right there on, on Facebook Glenn Keeling Or you can go find Peggy Kimmel we do have a page, it's the Creative Care Beacon, this is the Ohio chapter of the Human Solution International, or you can just simply give me a call. My phone number is 419 and I promise you, if you call me, I will answer it and I will talk with you.
2: Beautiful, beautiful. All right, Glenn Keeling, it's an honor and privilege to be working with you, and uh, we're going to keep on marching. All right, we got George Martorano, and we got John Miller, and we got uh, Pete and Helen Yapel, Scott and Nikki, and Tom Corby. And we're going to get you all in 16 minutes or more. Yeah, I want to say yes. So let's go to George first, and we'll start plowing through this all, and maybe some of this will uh, do a quick intro and open up uh, guests for next week's show. George Martorano, longtime friend of the show, POW. Our XPOW and Freedom Fighter, um, welcome again. Welcome, welcome. Welcome back. Hey Joe. <laughs> hey
10: man. How's my hey. How's my California family?
1: We're how's
10: everybody?
4: Well, I'm on the road.
10: Uh, I'm in uh, I'm in uh, St. Pete, Florida, and uh, as many know, uh, many uh, some know, many do not
7: know. <clears throat>
1: When
10: I was released from prison, that's where I came. My first, my first uh, place was St. Pete, Florida, and that's where I did my acclamation to freedom, which was, you know, every day was uh, was like a wave of uh, of small shocks every day, every hour of the day. But today I got up very early. I haven't been down in a while, and I retraced a lot of steps and. Uh, you know, the uh, places that I went The walks that I went The jobs that I went And, uh, you know, I felt, mo- I felt More uh, connected with it uh, uh, Today uh, than, than back then Because back then I was probably You know, all sort of like Personal shop But I really enjoyed today I spent I spent a total of like almost six hours Just, just uh, Going over the places that I went Uh, The path uh, At the beach And uh, I made myself so tired That along the bench I actually had to lay down somewhere And close my eyes So I wanted to share that with everybody It was like refinding Refinding myself Upon uh, release when I got out of prison uh, Three years ago So it was just a wonderful time And like a you know, I didn't. I didn't need much to have a wonderful time. I just had to uh, breathe and feel the sun, the sun on me, and it just was so magnificent to be free. You know, the human, human solutions, and as part of all that, and uh, just want to thank everybody, you know, for coming to my rescue way back when when I was languishing in a cage, and uh, you know, I think back and all the horror places that they kept me in. They kept me of the worst to the worst, but I did the best. I did the best with the, the little I have not to become a beast. So wanted to share with everyone today. I had a great day uh, retracing my steps on the freedom that I had, uh, when I was released. Joe.
2: That's fantastic, George. And I, uh, I remember, uh, I remember the day I heard you were you were gonna be released, so um I I uh can go back and kinda of remember where I was at at that time. So it was uh it was a significant mile marker in, in my world as well. So I, I I'm glad that uh you get to enjoy the, the, the joy of freedom and continue to do so and uh just looking forward to watching you continue to prosper.
10: Yeah, well like I said I'm
2: working hard, so
10: uh, I had a, I had to come. I haven't seen loved ones down here in a while, so especially my uh, niece with special needs, Nicolina uh, very very dear to me. So, you know, I want to visit her. As she lives in a group home, and uh, you know, like she's special needs, and I thought, you know, you know, what a life do they have? And I, even though I, I was changed all those years. Of my personal share of sufferings there's still people that have uh, way way off than me today and that really bothered me uh, I was yesterday I spent 10 time with her and her, uh, her group home and that's why I needed to I needed that a solid state of solitude to retrace my step and I was you know thanking, thanking everyone that's been in my life since then uh, when they share that with everybody I know it's just it's a crowded show. The show's getting more crowded. Yeah. Though.
2: Yeah. Well, it's it's all good, and there's always room. I always make sure there's room for everybody. So, George, it's a pleasure to have you share that with us, and you know the okay. the 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 words of hope that you give to people. I think there's a lot of people that that listen to the show that are are living moments of desperation, and when they listen to you know, your words of hope, sometimes I know it helps them, you know, raise themselves up. So that's that's what it's all yeah, about, Sharon. Yeah.
10: I'm, I'm going to get out there soon. So see you and D.D. D. Kirkwood
2: and Liz
10: and everybody.
2: I'm just, looking just forward to it.
10: That's like Lou Rawls' Lou Roll's song, I'll see you when I get there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right, George, always a pleasure. George, oh, mark All right, we'll talk soon, George. All right, up next we got um, John Miller from Florida, and then we got uh, Scott and Nikki, Pete and Helen, and then Tom Corby. Now we're down to ten minutes. We'll see what we can do. John Miller, welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
11: Oh, I'm doing great, Joe, and your show is very inspiring, and Human Solutions is very inspiring. And I want to congratulate George on reconnecting with his family and himself and everything. And y'all, thank y'all for helping him. Uh, I've been watching for at least six months. And I'm definitely one of those people that you was talking about earlier. How about we come together and try to make a plan and put our voices out there? Well,
2: I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um... You know, if you stay on the line and um give give um the screener Mary your contact information, um I'll I'll reach out to you and uh maybe we can set a
11: time to talk. If you're up for it. I'm always up for it. Uh Richard Rossadillo is one of my good friends and I, he's been helping me out get a little bit more uh, um um out there with trying to tell people to be good humans and try to care for one another because I try to incorporate that in every post I make during the day. <laughs>
2: good, that's fantastic, and that's you know it's all it's all about that. And you know I think sharing a message that we all um, feel strongly about and and getting a, a, a unified message together, I think is. Is a very important part of this plan. So, um, anyways, I definitely look forward to working with you. And uh, you know, we're we're real close to setting up a couple of chapters in Florida. So who knows? Maybe. We'll, oh, uh, I can't
11: wait. Maybe I can head one because I am oh, definitely an alpha hippie. <laughs> I
2: love it. I love it. Well, like I said, stay on the line, and uh, I'll have Mary get your contact information, and uh, we'll we'll reach out to you tomorrow. Maybe we can. Uh, Begin the the, the framework of a plan.
11: All right, all right. Well, thank you so much, you, your family, and the whole community that you work with and that you help. Have a blessed day stay warm, stay safe, and be good humans, care for one another, help somebody random out, just somebody on the street, say hi, just offer a good compliment to somebody that it looks like they're having a bad day. And maybe they'll go and do the same thing for another person. And this will help continue people being kind to one another.
2: I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you for those good words. And uh I, I encourage everybody to uh, take heed. All right. Thanks again, yeah. John Miller. Stay Thank the you line so and, much. Um, and Mary, I'll get your contact information. All right. We got Scott and Nikki. Now, Scott and Nikki are um, chapter coordinators of our newest chapter in Central California, the Rock and Fire chapter, and um, they're just getting out there, and we're we're working together. To enable them, and we're working on a plan to uh, to raise them up to to really have a strong chapter. We've had a presence in uh, Central California um, off and on. We had a Bakersfield chapter that we we tried to get off the ground, and it just kind of struggled. And I think that um, these two have what it takes to get that Central Valley unified. And um, you know, we've gotten better at 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 uh, working together as a team and um I see it happening so let's see what Scott and Nikki have to say today. Welcome to the show you guys. Hi. Hey Joe, how you doing? Doing fantastic. Hey guys. Good to have you here. <laughs> Great to be here. Raining here real hard. It's raining? Well wow, I hear it's coming down our way. It, it's still I, uh, I, I know you I know you were saying
7: earlier that you were in shorts and a t-shirt. We're bundled up here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't mind the cold and rain when it comes. So hopefully it, it, uh, it hits us good. We need the water.
7: Yeah. You,
2: you,
7: you know, earlier you were talking about getting things done. You know, um, you know, in the past how how people got things done. Martin Luther King. You know, you say we're we're like a we're civil rights. Group, uh, they did marches and 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 people really got together. And and the, a gentleman was talking earlier. People don't do that anymore, and, and I I don't understand. Maybe maybe they're not understanding what we're what we're what we're trying to do, or or because I mean there's there's a lot of people out there.
3: Maybe maybe we need to start getting some media attention or something for for like you know uh, at least our our POWs that are are still sitting in there. Maybe we need to start getting some media attention at at some of their court events or, or, or not just, just in general.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe doing a
3: power march, even maybe doing a power march, you know, for setting a date and try and get the word out there and doing a power march and get some media attention for them.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, I I totally agree. We, we, We have done that in the past and, We've been successful at it. Some of the some of the the chapters that have formed have come out of marches that we've done. Um, what's important in doing a march, and this is probably the most important thing, is having a good plan, getting a really clear message out, and then right. you call attention to the media when you do it. And organizing a a, um, a project like that is. One that it, it takes a lot of focus and it takes a lot of, of teamwork, and it's not easy, but it's very rewarding if you do it right. And I've, thinking... I've been part of it, and I'm definitely willing to help organize a march. I, I, am, I am no stranger to marches, and I have I have no problem uh, uh, wearing a megaphone and yelling at the top of my lungs. So, <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> <It's> power. <laughs>
7: Yeah.
3: That's it. That's yep. it. But, so. so but we're yeah, think... we are totally um, brainstorming things too in ways we know that the letters are helpful. We need to get more word out there about letters to write for like you know Calvin in in you know the <laughs> 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 we love Calvin and, and Craig and and all them the all the, all these people. I mean they really touched our hearts And we we would like to reach out for them or or show up to one of their, if they have a, where we need to show up to, where we're willing to drive, make a drive to do that for these people too.
7: Yeah. And, and you know, Joe, I hear this show and and I see on TV where a kid ran over a guy and he's doing three years and he killed the guy. An educator of the community lost. I mean, a mother, father, uh, lost a, 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 a human life, and he got three years. Yep, it happens over and over and over three again. you are sitting it, in there. It, it just—it the kind of pissed me off. I mean, it, it's like, yeah, where is our judicial system? What I mean, where are our priorities, and what the heck is going on?
2: Well, and 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 that's what that's what this is about—is getting. This message, you know, people listen to this show, and there's a lot of repetition. We reinforce a lot of ideas. In some cases, it's like a mantra, a drumbeat. But part of what it is 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 sharpening your points, sharpening, you know, your your your, your topics, getting it where it's not um, it's not alien for us to have these conversations. We should be able to to have these. Talking points at the, our fingertips, and when somebody comes up and asks us a question, what's this about? What's that about? We need to be on it. We need to have point, 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 and a solution. What you can do to help—that's what we're oh. doing right now, and that's can part we, of what this plan
1: is all about. Go
3: ahead. Okay. Cause, cause is it possible to, to to put something on the ballot where people, peep, the people, vote to let the prisoners out?
2: I mean, I yeah, mean, because we voted. There is no federal ballot initiative, and as much as, you know, we have all these um, online petitions and things that are good, I I think they're, you know, they're good for getting uh, awareness out there, but legally, there's not a federal ballot initiative process, and there have been bills to allow there to be one, but really, if you want to get a change made federally, you have to work through your Congress and your Senate. That's how bills are introduced and that's 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 our process um state by state we're making progress but at the end of the day um i think at this stage of the game sharpening our message i think that creating a general plan and sharpening our message and having everybody with the same talking points and there's room for all of them i think that that's part of what we need to work together as making this A-team come together. And maybe you guys can think about specific points that you would want to make sure that somebody heard. If you got an opportunity to talk to somebody influential, let's say say that you got a, a, an audience with, with a lawmaker, and that lawmaker came to you and said, you know what, I'm going to give you two minutes. And if I'm influenced, if you touch me with what you have to say, I will act on it. What would you say? What would you say? Mm -hmm. So I think maybe we should think like that and come up. What if we had to talk to somebody who could influence the law um, and make a change on that level? What would we say? So uh, we're now officially in overtime, folks, so I'm going to leave you guys with that. Uh, Scott and Nikki, you guys have a new chapter out there. How would somebody get involved with your chapter if they were in Central California and wanted to?
3: Well they can contact us through the website, of course, the at uh T H uh, S I N T L dot org or um give us give us a did I say that right? <laughs> give, or give us yeah. a call at five five nine um three five six zero three five eight. All right.
2: And good job, time. I look forward to seeing you soon and we will talk very soon. All, All right, good. Sounds good. See you, talk. Got Nikki with the Rock and Fire chapter, Central California. All right, we got Pete Yaple and Helen, the Power Couple from New York, and the Solidarity Over Separation chapter of the Human Solution International. Welcome to the show.
5: What's up, Joe? <laughs> uh,
2: well, we're in overtime now, so. Yeah.
5: Um, okay, yes, okay. Yes, Chris, I know you're in overtime, no. and I'm gonna really take you in overtime, brother. <laughs> no, listen. <laughs> hey, hey, everybody that knows me knows me. I'm not thirty seconds of talk. It'll never happen. If you've got a, if you've got an issue with time, you know I'm not a guest that you should have on, and I know you. You appreciate that. Uh, Absolutely. I will say uh, I, I want to apologize for calling in so late to everybody, uh, especially with Chris being on tonight. I was real excited about hearing his uh, piece and. Hearing what you guys had to talk about, he's a wonderful guy. Uh, please support this man. This man does more, uh, honestly, uh, he does more uh, uh, charitably than anybody around here. Uh, Joe, you know me. I listen and I get a- angry. I'm yelling the whole damn time I'm on, the- I'm on hold. Um, <laughs> and it's not, ang- it- it's not anger, it's frustration, okay? And you've been in this game a long-ass time. I have been in this game a long-ass time. There are so many of us that have been in this a long-ass time, and we I, – I, I love newbies. I love the excitement. I love the, the, uh, the, uh, the ideas and this type of thing. But again, guys, this is all – this isn't something that is new. We're, first of all, marches. I'm, I'm all for a march. You know me, I'll march. I don't give a shit how sick I am. But you have to remember, we're talking about sick people that have to march. We're not talking about a bunch of healthy people that are just fighting for a civil rights message. We're talking about people that are in wheelchairs, people that can't get out of bed, people that can't. Fight for the rights that they have publicly in a forum where they're yelling on a megaphone. It doesn't work. We cannot do a million-man march on Washington with cannabis patients. We just can't. It's been tried a hundred times. It cannot be done. What we can do are new things. Radio shows like Joe, getting these messages out, getting people a forum to come out and speak and share on their Facebook. To people that may have an awakening, Helen and I on the other side, we've taken it to TV. I don't, you know, everybody says, oh, well, you're a local station. I don't care. Do you know how many people watch my station? Do you know how many people watch what we talk about on a daily basis? I'm late in calling in today because I'm treating a patient. I'm out and helping a man with cancer of his liver. That's why I'm late today calling in. It's 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night on the East Coast. Me and Helen are still working. This job is never Ever done? How we can beat the system is simply this way. I don't care. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they try to impose. There are people out there that need help. I'm one of them. If, if, if I decided today to say, oh, my God, that, 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 that could be against the law, I wouldn't be here talking to you. You have to grab a hold of your own health care. You have to realize that we shouldn't have to go in like a turnstile into the same place everybody else goes, even when we just have a sniffle and have three things written to us, one to help and two to help solve the problems the other one gives us, and take something natural something from the earth. And I'm not only talking about cannabis. My lord, there's plenty of things out there that help us. But we have to do that. We have to say to the system, wait a minute, you're wrong. It's just like the two-party system. Yet people go, oh, we've got to vote blue this time. We've got to vote red this time. Why? Nothing changes. We're blue for four years, then we're red for four years. Nothing changes. People have to change. People has to make the difference. We can no longer live and, and reside in a country in which we call it that says we need to vote this way and we got to keep electing people and we got to keep putting them in to keep this government running. Hold on. I want America to run. I don't want the government to run. I don't care what they do. They have proven themselves over and over to be the most hypocritical, greedy-ass the unhuman that reside on this planet. We keep electing politicians. Let's stop electing politicians and elect people to represent the people. That's where the change comes. It doesn't come in red, blue, yellow, whatever flag these parties fly. It comes in the morals, the purpose. And the objective of the person being elected, that's where things have to change. People say all the time, Pete, I came on your show, what, three weeks ago said, oh, I'll run for president. All right, well, I said I'd run for president. Twenty-six states reached out to us. Twenty-six. You got mine. You got mine. You got mine. <laughs> and not that I would ever run for president, Joe, but please, it's because I think like everybody else. We're so tired of living in the system that we live in, but yet no one wants to do anything about not living in the system that we live in. Because that would take change on a personal right. level. Right. On a personal level. Right. And that's where big change happens when you take all those personal changes, things just go right. And when it comes to treating with cannabis, everyone – Please listen to me for five, for five and I would say say five seconds, but I never talk that quick. Uh, uh, <laughs> please listen. When we go to a doctor, we never question what they give us. We never do. We walk in there looking for them to just hand us something, and it doesn't work. And if it does work, there's always something that comes with it. It's a price. Right. Well, price of your health no. or your whatever. There's, There's a price. price. There's a right. personal price. Right. So, but when we ingest something that is part of us, we, we, we you know, we, we can't stress it enough, the endocannabinoid system. If people would wake up, like we, when we told people tonight about their endocannabinoid I said, please, if you Google anything tonight, Google two things, your endocannabinoid system and 6630705. There are the two things in this world that will prove to you that your government wants you fat, lazy, drug-addicted, and down without a mind to fight them and come back. We have to understand if we want America, we have to fight for America. We don't have to fight for politicians. Politicians didn't form the country. Politicians didn't keep things the way they are. Politicians built government. They are trying to make government survive. They're trying to make themselves survive. A survivable thing that can rule upon us. They don't make decisions for anything but their pocketbook. I don't care what politician you are. Please come on and debunk me. Please. I, I promise you I will dig into your shit and find out money you took. I promise you I will because there ain't one that hasn't, even if it's locally. They've got a construction guy that they – so don't give me no BS. Politics is politics. Humanity and America is two different things. Let's stop voting politics. Let's stop putting political thoughts in mind. Those that run us and make our decisions are politicians, people. We, if we made the decisions ourselves, if you made the decision yourself this morning, Joe, and you woke up and it was your choice, what would happen with the cannabis plant? What would you say? Say that again. I said if you woke up this morning and cannabis, the cannabis plant, as an American, just as a human, if the cannabis plant was what your choice about that plant would be, what would it be?
2: That it would be free. It would be just another plant.
5: Right. And you know what? 60% of us think the same way. 60. That's more than half. Sixty percent of us just think this is a plant that grows in your yard that we can use and benefits us, just like a tomato plant. People sit back and go, oh, a tomato plant. Well, no, a tomato plant's nutritious. We grow it to eat it because it's good for us. The same thing with cannabis, people. It's why separate it? Why make it a special plant? It's not a special plant. It's just a special shit. It's just a plant at the end of the day. Just a plan. George, God bless you, brother. I'm so glad you're free. You're an inspiration to so many of us, especially those that don't take it on the chin and say, you know what, government, you're right. I'll admit guilt when we know we were doing nothing wrong. So, Joe, to you big ups, to everybody out there that's a POW or been rescued from and now is free – God bless you all. You know me and Helen. We'll keep fighting every single day for you. We'll fight for every single one of you that's sick. Please contact us at wwwcanowetalk 420 at gmail.com, or please contact us again at Solidarity Over Separation, the Human Solution International, where we believe nobody should be in jail for a plant, not only this plant, a plant, or any reason. And again, my phone number is 845 845- five, two, two, three, one, six, two. It's never too late guys. I like you see, I'm out. It's 10 o'clock. I'm just getting home from still working. Um, just to try to help people. And if we all help each other, we'd live in a better planet, man.
1: So true.
2: So true. All right, you guys. Well, always a pleasure. And, um, it's, uh, it's an ongoing thing. We get up every day and we keep showing up to work but one by one, we're gathering steam. We're getting more and more people. Today we have more support than we did last week, last month, and last year. So we just need to keep it up, and we just need to, to keep bringing it to work. We keep bringing these ideas, keep bringing the energy, keep bringing the fire, and we'll get it done. All right, Pete and Helen, Solidarity Over Separation, your banner is ready. It's going to get shipped out tomorrow. So
1: uh, yeah, Man, we appreciate it. <laughs> all right. We'll talk soon.
2: All right. Here we go to the, what do you call the anchor guy? The last guy standing in the in the tug of war, Tom Corby, to close down the show. Welcome to the show, my friend.
10: Oh, uh, so Thank you, Joe, Mary, Becca, Lisa, George, all those on the front line coming together free our sacred plant no one should go to jail for any plant I'm here with my friend uh Frank Canan helping just so much here he's Frank yeah. and he's also uh butte county's uh coordinator for the human solution along with alex Lyons uh always well, we talk about why it's quiet up here in butte county i'd like to share anybody that has a new case or if you're advocating helping a defendant the number one thing is to get your discovery get your police report start working it find out what's against you start filing your 995 motion to dismiss on probable cause and uh this gets the bacon this is why Frank and Ann, Alex Lyon Nick Moran the Benos and so many in Northern California have had their cases acquitted or dismissed you want to make them sick of you you want to throw this this subpoena all the officers all the videos recordings and I've seen so many cases now where they're just dismissed because they're not used to working, especially the PDs. And by the way, PDs, as you know, get three times as much when they deal you out. That's why they want a plea deal with a human solution. Our goal and vision is to always take them on to trial and... If we'd done that years ago, even 10% of the people, we wouldn't be here today because they can't do it. Uh, well, you can go to the Butte County Courthouse now compared to what it was when we got busted about eight years ago and joined the Human Solution. It's almost like a morgue. And so that's what we do. When we talk about the medicine I've been using cannabis for over fifty one years and I finally realized without these cannabis in your system your homeostasis will be out of balance. Uh I see so many uh miraculous testimonies. Uh I welcomed uh Nicole Scott Lewis uh, a messenger today And we had a nice chat I didn't realize that they were central California THSI Chapter coordinators At the time uh, I see here Where, where uh, Nicole had a stroke in October 6th of this year And how How the oil Saved her life And uh, she continues To take it around the clock I told her how I believe it helped me and still helping me with my ruptured disc in my back and moreover with depression and PTSD. Uh, And this happened a lot, I told her. She was denied inpatient rehabilitation at San Joaquin uh, Hospital because she refused to stop using the oil to go there. And I feel she made a good choice. Uh, Frank, uh, have a little something you'd like to say tonight? You know, all right,
12: Frank. Come in and take over. Hey, hey Joe.
2: Coffee hey, coffee Frank. What's so Taking,
12: taking you? care of business well, again. spending some good time with Tom and Donna. You know, trying to enjoy life like we always do. Right on. But I just wanted to put out special thanks and to Bob and Colleen for introducing me to to you and Liz and Donna and Tom and the Human Solution. Uh you guys have made a big impact on my life and it's been a life changing experience. And uh Aww, I just wanted to thank you Frank <laughs> Love you guys so much and I just wanted to put that out there.
2: Right on, man. Well, I, I I appreciate you as well. I remember uh, when Bobby brought you down, and um, you know, I I didn't I didn't expect when you left that you were going to have such an impact up there. I didn't. I don't. I don't have super high expectations of most people when I first meet them anymore, because most people let me down. But you stepped up, and uh, you filled a huge need up there um helping out with the Corby team and all the work you've been doing. Um, you you're you're making a huge difference up there. So if we had anything to do with that then it was well worth it and uh you know just keep on doing what you're doing. We just need to push real hard right now and keep pushing until we get her done. Well you know
12: I'm, I'm on you know I'm on the same track with you, so let's keep on going.
2: Right on. Hey. And I love you. All right. and well, thank you. I, I'm Tickled, we're 15 minutes overtime now. Well worth it. And um, I uh, somebody has a case up in Northern California, and there still are cases in Northern California, um, and they need to get a hold of you. How do they get a hold of the NorCal chapter?
10: if uh, You get a hold of us at uh, call me or my wife at 530 370 four zero two nine or Donna at five
12: two one six zero zero nine or you can call me Frank Canan at seven zero seven four nine nine eight four two seven and we'd be glad to help with any cases.
2: Right on. All right well that's what we got this week. I appreciate everybody that's helped out. I especially appreciate Uh, my vice president, Lisa Wildridge, and non-compliant Mary for doing all the screening, and everybody who's called in today, and even especially the people that called in and have just been listening. Thank you all for being here. We'll see you all next week.
9: Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse The Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant.
0: have said done
12: you were always on mys